Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And welcome to Islanders Anxiety, the podcast from Lighthouse Hockey. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Skype is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, the Islanders are up three games to none in their playoff series against the <laughs> Pittsburgh Penguins. And I can't believe the words that are coming out of my mouth yeah, right now. It's unbelievable. I like we were talking before, right before we started about how he Dan said he didn't know what to do. I told him a story about Frank calling me. Nobody knows what to do at all. And so right after that game ended, I just kind of walked out of – I was watching with my dad. I just kind of walked out and 10 minutes later, I just found myself doing laundry. I don't know how I got there. But I was just doing I laundry. mean, what are you going to do? Like, I don't, I don't know. understand. I, just, I didn't know what to do. I just yeah. – I don't I, I just – I don't know. I just like kind of came to – I was just thinking about the Islanders for like yeah. 10 minutes and kind of just lost my place in time. And I was just folding laundry. I, uh, I had – I immediately put on the MSG – uh, plus post game show with Shannon and Jennifer, but I also because I watch games on the computer, so I also had the NBCSN post game show with Liam McHugh and Patrick Sharp and Keith Jones. So I had like I don't know if I was even taking in any actual information. I was just listening to all of this stuff happening and trying to process what it was that I just watched, which was what we all watched, which was the Islanders. Winning four to one in Game Three uh, of the playoff series uh, in Pittsburgh 
Um, it, I mean, we're going to talk about all three of these games, but like, I just, you know, we have to say up front, and because we're going to nitpick these games for the next little while, like, they have earned this three games to non lead. This isn't luck. This isn't like, you know, uh, you know, back in November when it's like, ah, they got these crazy guys with this crazy shooting percentage and these goalies are, are stopping everything. These guys have come out. The Islanders have now sort of fully actuated themselves or have fully found their game. And they have been playing it to perfection in these three games. They bend a little bit, but they don't break. And the goalies are there and they wait for you to make a mistake and then they bury it. And today... In the course of a minute and two seconds, the entire game changed. And, you know, now we can look back and say, like, well, that was where they won the game. But, uh, you know, it was nerve wracking <laughs> for a little while. But, you know, it took them a minute and two seconds to go from being down one nothing to being up to one. And they won, you know, with another goal in the third period and then an empty netter. And it's like this this is an, a, a version of the Islanders that I have never seen before. My friend Gio who I've written about before, he texted me after the game. He's like, I've never seen them. He texted me after game two. He said, I've never seen them play this well. And I'm not even sure if I wrote him back because I was still stunned, but I felt like saying they have never played like this before. I have never seen them play like this before. It's crazy. Oh, my God. It was an abs. <laughs> Today was a clinic. I mean, I was hmm. obviously bricking myself for like the whole game because, you know, <laughs> that's just what playoffs are all about. But um, when you look back on it, you think about that game three, it was an absolute clinic. Like that was – the the Penguins just couldn't get going. I I I'm telling you right now, if you if you end up watching the game again, if you have a DVR or whatever, pay close attention to a shift by Phil Kessel. Like six minutes left, it's pretty pretty soon after uh, Leo scored the three one goal, um, he just looked looked up. He had like three or four Islanders in front of him. He had nowhere to go, and he just basically was like, "Nah, I'm just gonna call it a shift." Like, <laughs> there's just no point in even trying. There was just literally no point in him yeah. trying to figure out how to get by those guys because they've just played this game to to a T. I've never seen the Islanders in my entire existence have never been poised ever. Mm, right. I'm always, you're always expecting something just chaos. to go hit. Yep. And, at and, their and, best it was organized chaos. Exactly. <laughs> this is just organized. Yeah. And it is uh like I uh, there is a play in game 1. I can it's such a nondescript play but uh the puck was kind of bouncing and uh if had Scott Mayfield fumbled the puck the Penguins would have had a, you know, pretty, pretty not even a great on man rush, but an on man rush. And he ended up fumbling the puck, but uh, Devon Taves saw that the puck was fumbling. He was fumbling it and he said he something clicked in him that he's got to go help support to, you know, trying to nip this problem before it even becomes a thing. And it would, and he did. And it was just like, got it, skated it out, and that was the end of it. And there was such a nondescript play, but this is the poise that both Mayfield and he showed Mayfield by kind of just hanging with the puck and Taves by real reacting to the play and, and pu- putting out a fire before it even started was just like the most un-Islanders thing I've ever seen. And uh, yeah, yeah. I uh, just, and like, there's just been plays like that from the second the puck dropped on Wednesday night. Yeah. Um, you know, I noticed in the third period, uh, yeah, I mean the same kind of thing. Like it had kind of, after Leo Komarov scored, um, the the penguins the air kind of came out of the whole place for good um the last vestige of life the penguins had in the game was patrick hornquist basically tackling adam pellick in the corner kind of getting him in a headlock and fighting pellick fighting back and then pellick somehow getting a penalty still not 100 percent sure why because <laughs> it looked to me like he got i mean they showed the whole replay and he went into the corner and 
and Hornquist just decided to just attack him. But I mean, at that point, what are you going to do? That was the last, the last sign of life from the Penguins had. But also, I, the thing that stuck out to me was they had a couple of plays, like kind of scramble plays in the middle. But the Islanders, like you said, they were just calmly removed the puck and just gathered it up in the slot and just either skated it out or kicked it out to whoever they were supposed to, or you know maybe just send it down the ice, but avoiding an icing. And it was, it was a very surgical, precise kind of game and you know at times it was nerve-wracking I mean they were up 2-1 for the majority of the game they went up you know I guess midway through the first period and stayed that way until Komarov scored and uh so I'm not going to say I wasn't nervous I almost turned the game off seriously with about 10 minutes to go in the third period because I couldn't take the tension and the the, uh the the stress uh thankfully Komarov uh, from Philpola. Komarov, Komarov from Philpola. How about that? And as Dom said, just as we all predicted in, <laughs> in September, Leo Komarov scoring a huge playoff goal for the Islanders. Um, I literally screamed like out loud. I scared my cat half to death because I was just like, "Yes, hello, Uncle Leo." You know, it's just it's just insane. And and this is just the third game like this. They have been yeah. two previous games that were like this. Uh, the first game, I guess we might as well just start there, um, was a, a little bit, you know, that was the one where it was, I think, kind of more indicative of what we thought this series was going to be. The Islanders ended up winning 4-3 in overtime. Uh, they played very well. I mean, it wasn't like the Islanders didn't play well, but, you know, I mean, the Penguins scored three goals. They they tied it with uh, about a minute to go with the goalie pulled. And again, you know, this was kind of playing out the way we all kind of expected. And you go to overtime and you're like, oh, God, here we go. But uh Matt Barzell put a, an unbelievable move on Matt Murray, stops, hit the post, and Josh Bailey is right there to pot it in and win the game. And uh, it was a very curiously refereed game. I think we could all agree the the longest reviews we've ever seen in a game. But uh, but the Islanders proved in that game that this was they were not just going to roll over and go away. Like this this team was going to fight you, and it took them a little bit to get their sea legs under them. But once they did, I mean, they went right up toe-to-toe with the team that you know most people kind of predicted to win the series and we're like no this is we're in this and we're gonna try and win we're not just happy to be here yeah the uh the refereeing was certainly (laughs) and but honestly now you know hindsight being what it is it's almost you're almost encouraged uh or it's almost like a blessing uh now because they were able to uh not only beat the penguins but beat them on kind of unfair terms uh and i mean the Josh Bailey, the, excuse me, the Josh Bailey post before the Josh Bailey goal. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, uh, I was in the Coliseum uh, for one and two, but that game, that game, I was, you, you, I mean, you're just talking about white knuckling through a game. That's <laughs> that was it. And then uh, that post, that noise, yeah. was just rigging in my ear for the intermission, and the intermission felt incredibly long because I just was thinking about how close the Islanders were to pulling off a really great win and. Now we had to go to overtime against Cindy Crosby and um, the then them bouncing back and winning that game is once again a very un-Islanders thing to happen uh, because I'll be honest, like I completely counted them out of that one because of that that post. Hmm. I was like, all right, if, if, you know, it's just not their night. They sh- yes, they showed up. The playoffs aren't a time for a moral victory, but I kind of <laughs> started just to chalk it up to a moral victory um, and it. Just when when Barzell came flying down that wing, uh, I think it was yeah Latang you know obviously made a pretty poor decision. Barzell comes in, that move, and then that 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 whole sequence of events was happened pretty close to 
where I was sitting. Uh, mm. And um, so, yeah, I, I had good seats. I gave my, my buddy Matt from work, uh, got his hands on some good seats. And uh, it just, I was watching that in slow motion, basically. And <laughs> seeing that puck hit the post, my life flashed before my eyes before <laughs> Bailey scored because I was like, all right, they're going to hit, an, they just hit another post. Mm. And now, you know, we're really in trouble. And, they'll probably score Brooks or pickle prize score a power play goal or something you know, <laughs> like he did in 2013. Right. But, um, like he did against the hurricanes yeah, <laughs> exactly. the this weekend. Yeah. He, uh, when, when that just seeing that puck go in and seeing them. And also there's of course another review afterwards. So yeah. I was even you know nervous. Yeah. Again. The penguins were like hanging around and like trots was kind of looking over his shoulder, but I mean, they looked at it offsides. They looked at some kind of goalie review. I mean, yeah. And yeah, Barzell did kind of, plow into Murray, but he was basically pushed by Chris Letang, and then Murray grabbed Barzell's leg for some reason, and like held on to him for dear life, and none of it really mattered, so. Yeah, it was uh, crazy. I, I ended up like kind of on top of the seats in front of me, and just 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 throwing anything I could get, my like towels <laughs> and whatever, and just, it was it was bedlam, and uh, I just remember not, and not taking for granted the fact that the game had just ended, which meant that I had 24 48 hours before i had to do that again because that game felt like it was you know six to seven years long yeah no i mean it's the whole day my stomach was in knots because i didn't know you know it's really the not knowing and the the like oh my god i just hope they show up like i hope they play well and and you know act like they've been there before and they've done more than that you know uh, arthur staple i think uh somebody asked barry trotz today like you know, guys like Pellick and Pollock. Well, Pollock has played in the playoffs before, but like Pellick and Taves, this is their first playoff experience, and you would never know. And Trotz is like, yeah, they've they've played great. They've they've done exactly what we've asked them to, and there's there's poise. They're prepared and they're ready, and that's what you need. And they're desperate, and that's where you get success. And that play by Barzell, the thing about it, well, first of all, <laughs> my wife was sitting next to me on the couch, and when they scored, I didn't really quite know what happened because I heard. I saw Barzell hit it off the post, and Brendan Burke said, it's off the post, and then here's Bailey, and all of a sudden he's like, they score, and I was like, what just happened? And Because uh, I thought the same thing, too. I'm like, oh, really? Here's, you know, they hit another post, but then Bailey scored, and I said, I don't know what happened, but the Islanders just won the game, so I'll take it. But the other thing was, like, you don't see plays like that a lot in the playoffs, where, so Tang turns the puck over, and I forget the, the other Penguin defenseman, it might have been Justin Schultz. Jack Johnson wasn't in that game, so it wasn't him. But he just kind of slid, and he ended up like taking himself out of the play. And it opened up all this space for Barzell, which is generally not a good idea to do. And he had Eberle on the other side, and I was like, all right, maybe he's going to pass there or something. And uh, Bailey was the guy, I think, that forced the turnover, didn't he? So he that's why kind of why he was late. Um, but you don't see open, like broken plays like that a lot in the playoffs. And for it to happen to the Islanders and to <laughs> end up being in the game-winning play was just – absolutely outstanding and it's just you know they just they they took the lead actually it seemed like they had a lead 33 seconds into the game i missed it tom kunhack of all people seemed to score uh but they took that away because somebody's foot was off sides and then uh they jordan everly scored the first of what has now been many to actually give the islanders a legit first you know lead and then they just kept the penguins kept coming back and the islanders kept going forward and that was a playoff game like that was just a playoff game and it you know probably aged us all a little bit but it was pretty wild. And so, hey, you know, they got a lead. That's awesome. Great. And, <laughs> you know, uh, I I started getting nervous reading all the stuff about how well they played because I'm like, these guys, these Penguins are going to read that and they're going to be mad. And I'm afraid of what's going to happen in game two. But game two was even better. <laughs> and you were at that one too, right? 
Yeah. The so you, you we walked out of the Coliseum Wednesday night. It was kind of post-apocalyptic because you know it was a weeknight, <laughs> a little yeah. bit later. So the people that were sticking around were like, you know, they they were committed to the night. Hmm. Um, and uh, I walked around for a while. Uh, I couldn't. My brother's phone died, and we were gonna <laughs> Uber home together. So that ended up being a logistical problem. So I just was like kind of wandering around the outside for a long time, and I ran into John Latecki again with my buddy. <laughs> And, and uh, we we hugged him hmm. uh, in the Marriott lobby. Wow! And we hugged him, I guess, a little too hard. Hmm. And he's just he told us we were hurting him. <laughs> but uh, we're, he's like, "All right, you're hurting me, guys." And we're like, <laughs> "All right, sorry." And then we turn our over our right shoulder, and there's Devon Taves. And wow. we just sort of like, we both are like, you don't know how good you are. <laughs> <laughs> and then he got out of the elevator. And that was it. And then I come back out of the uh, the Marriott and. I just like there are like people burning, you know, like post game tailgating. Like there was right. like a, I walked by a car, a couple cars, and they had a, like a steel drum kind of garbage, mm. and it just as as I was walking towards it, just it you know lit up in flames because <laughs> they were you know they were cooking something, and, and I was just like this is going to be wild because this is Wednesday night, mm. and there's going to be a game on a Friday night when these <laughs> people don't have work the next night, right. and I showed up uh, early on Friday. Uh, I was with my buddy Jack and Brian, and and we were at in the lot by the Marriott, and it was the the general feeling was you know, confidence, more like um, we were all nervous but thankful <laughs> that mm. that uh, you know they had the lead and whatever this you know would be in a lot different atmosphere obviously yet overtime went the other way and 15 20 minutes in to uh, our little tailgate session, a helicopter just takes off out of the Coliseum. Wow. parking lot and it was apparently brett your marks wow. but yeah so it was he just like a helicopter yes <laughs> seriously is he bruce oh. wayne like i don't know yeah. what's the deal that's it weird was just the most bizarre thing ever and, and but there was something funny about it because all of a sudden there's you know, there's a good amount of people there already and this helicopter just flies over so everybody funny. tailgating and it was almost like a only the islanders kind of thing um and yeah and, and i mean that set it off and then i ended up seeing Back in the, during the Capitol series, the last playoff series at the Coliseum, I saw this guy selling cigars, just like walking around the Coliseum selling cigars, and he was back. And I was mm. just like, "Oh my god!" Like Long Island, all of Long Island is showing up for for this game on a Friday night. And and I knew going walk, I was still very nervous and 100 percent mm. sure they were going to lose the game. But I was just, <laughs> I felt great, like knowing, like, "Oh my, this is going to be a vintage Coliseum performance." That we have a one nothing lead, so like people are a little bit more confident and ballsy than they would be if it was, you know, if the Islanders were down a game. And that crowd, yeah, just on that was the uh, probably most euphoric feeling I've ever had in a in a uh, crowd. I think. <laughs> well, I mean, we we've we've talked about a couple of times this year parties at the Coliseum like the the game the first game back at the Coliseum against Columbus we've, we we said it felt like a party the Tavares party. shellacking of the Leafs uh, in his first game back was definitely a party uh the game against the Sabres in which they you know clinched home ice with an emphatic victory over a dead <laughs> team was That's a party, a party. Yep. and and this yeah these these two games really in a way were were parties Game two, I think, yeah, more so yeah, than game. Than, game one became a party, right? Right. Game uh, two, game two, was a always a party. Yeah, <laughs> when Jordan Eberle scored that goal, which is still boggles my mind to this day. That 
And again, and not a goal you don't really see that often in the playoffs. That kind of slick, you know, nifty goal. You don't really see that much. That was when the party got started. And that just tied the game. And then later on, when, when Josh Bailey made it 3 1 uh, on a power play goal, their sixth power play of the evening, uh, then, then the party really got started. They outshot the Penguins. The crowd was loud from beginning to end. Uh, it was crazy. And uh, there was a special guest inside the arena that you think had an effect on that, right? Is that right? Yeah. So I, I say it's probably the most euphoric game, but the first <laughs> the first real party at the Coliseum I'd ever attended was in 2002 when Sean Bates scored that penalty shot. And I just want to say, like, the, the this team and the, and the coach and the front office have been doing a stupendous job. But so the Islanders whole the whole Islanders organization has for this playoff uh, runs. I mean, it's only three games long, but the game ops, you know, putting the orange shirts out. I like. The, I think people, nobody really wore them just because like Islander fans already wear their jerseys. Like I saw a guy in a Claude Lapointe jersey. I saw a guy in a John Sim jersey. Look, wow. you don't show up to a, a jersey. A, a, Islander playoff game with your John Sim jersey on and wear an orange shirt over it. You wear your John Sim jersey. So like, I mean, I get what, of course. I, I, but I love the effort because I was like, that's a great idea. Like if it, you know, if the place just was all orange, it would look awesome, whatever. Like it, it didn't get lost on me that that was thought about and that someone thought, you know, this would be a good idea if, if we could pull it off. And if we don't, whatever, these people are walking out with a free shirt hmm. and just, and, and they did that for both games. It was awesome. Yeah. The, <laughs> They played down Easter Alexa, which is awesome. They played it, it <laughs> twice during before the game and during an intermission. Like just a, you know, I know it's it's got the uh, fisherman connotation to it, whatever. But the the cream of the crop, the creme de la creme. I had, I was speaking to someone who works for the team, uh, like a week ago, and I was just was like, nobody treats cult heroes like the New York Islanders fans. <laughs> like nobody treats their cult heroes like we do. No matter what the insignificance of what you achieved, if you achieve something with the Islanders, we will never, ever, ever forget you. And Sean Bates is the just like the perfect shining example. He was a guy who scored the game winning goal in game three of a first round series that the Islanders lost. <laughs> and we can't love him anymore. And they showed him on this, the Jumbotron. And I'm not taking any credit for this, by the way. If they, <laughs> they showed him on the Jumbotron in uh, the third period, and I, I squealed. I was so like screaming. And then I didn't, thought oh, I'd probably be you know alone doing it. But the entire – I mean he probably got no, legitimately the loudest like ovation of any player besides Robin Leonard that night. Mm. Like if Sean Bates was announced as a starter, he would have been second to Robin Leonard. The crowd just goes nuts. He's running around. He's, he's kind of you know doing his thing for the camera. He's pumping the crowd up. He's running up and down the stairs. He's like waving a rally towel. He's got his like Boston driver cap on and <laughs> he's just being Sean Bates. And then all of a sudden the Islanders score. <laughs> it just couldn't, you couldn't have. Right. It was a, a, a one of the most beautiful Coliseum moments of all time. And it, have, and it was Sean Bates again. Like yeah. I, me and my friend were just yelling it to each other the whole time. We're like, this is Bates. Sean Bates did this. Like yeah. Batesy, like screaming uh, for him. Like we started chanting his name after walking around the, the concourse and yeah. <laughs> some people were picked up on it. A lot of people probably just thought it's weird and didn't, you know, maybe don't, don't know who Sean Bates is like a little younger or older or whatever. But, uh, it was like a, the perfect way to set off a crowd. And it was because this is a guy who we love, 
who nobody else really knows. Like, he's mm. our guy. Sean Bates right. is an Islander, and he, he's an Islander playoff hero. And, God, it just felt so good to see him on that, that screen and to scream his name and then to see the Islanders score right afterwards. I definitely saw at least one tweet that was like, they show Sean Bates on the Jumbotron and the Islanders score. Coincidence? You know, that kind of They might have been on the yeah. table. I'm not even sure. But uh, it is it is pretty remarkable that, like, you're talking to somebody from the team and you're like, yeah, you, know, you guys should have Sean Bates there. And Sean Bates is suddenly there and the Islanders win. Like, that, that is not a coincidence, I don't think. I am, I am going to – you may not take the credit because you're too humble, but I am going to give you the credit. Uh, for bringing Sean Bates back to the Coliseum. For winning but, game two. I, yeah. <laughs> I, won, I, I won game two. Yeah. For um, the Islanders. But, uh, but, you know, it's funny. Yeah, no, we definitely love those cult heroes because for the most part, that's all we have, you know? I exactly. Mean, yeah, I mean, like everybody loves Mike Bossy and, and Brian Trottier and those, I mean, those guys that like influenced other players that are playing now. I mean, we've all heard the Steve Eiserman and uh, Joe Sackick stories about Brian Trottier and their love for him. But like guys like Sean Bates and and I, I saw a stat today that referenced Marius Tchaikovsky, the, uh, <laughs> uh, the Nelson and uh, and Everly <laughs> scoring a minute into a part of the two fastest playoff goals the Islanders have scored since Kip Miller and Marius Tchaikovsky did it in 2002. And I'm like, Tchaikovsky, obviously, we remember, but I completely forgot that Kit Miller played for the Islanders and that he played in that series. And I was like, yep. what other team like, he was has like that? the best player in that series? Yeah. Like, what oh. other team has guys like, oh, yeah, by the way, just, you know, they just guys just bested a, a record set by Kit Miller or whatever it was. <laughs> like, what? Um, but yeah, I think I think he, there were actually two Kit Miller references because <laughs> uh, he scored three straight games. And so Eberly became the first one of three players to score three straight playoff games for the Islanders. And mm. the other two were Kyle Oposo, mm. Colt Hero, and Kip Miller. Wow. Not so much a Colt Hero, but he still, <laughs> still kind of is. Like if, yeah. If, but, uh, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, and, you know, the thing about Bates, too, is that, you know, he's the perfect example, too, because, you know, people that were around for that series and that were, you know, I mean, you, you were pretty young still at the time. But like people that were maybe in their twenties at the time, like I was, I guess twenty six or whatever when they did that. Like we have kids now, so you know, not only is are the kids at that time, you know, they know who Sean Bates is because that's their golden moment for the most part for you know a lot of the that time. But the parents are like, this is the guy that scored the play, the the penalty shot goal. It's crazy. I'm sure they've shown the kids the YouTube that that YouTube video a million times. And so he's he's kind of emblematic of of the cult hero status, and I can't imagine who who on this team right now was entering that status. It could be anybody. It could be Everly. I mean, Brock Nelson has played out of his mind. I think all three of these games, he has been absolutely spectacular. So good. Uh, he he's, was. He's been better than the best player in the world. Yeah, he's, like he's been all over Crosby this whole time. He he's he's been on top of Sidney Crosby the entire time, and. You know, we've all watched Brock Nelson for a long time. Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever thought of him as a defensive wizard, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but there he is, like bumping up against Sid, keeping his stick out there. And you know, right now Sidney Crosby has no points, and Leo Komarov has one. So <laughs> you do the math. And and look, I thought it after game two. At some point, Crosby's going to break. Every time Kenny Albert mentioned that Crosby had no points, I'm like, thanks, Kenny. You just jinxed it. Here we go. But so far, they have kept. Uh, Crosby's line in check. Malkin had the goal. Kessel had a had a beautiful goal in Game One, and and I think he's played reasonably well <laughs> when he's not just completely bailing on the play like you saw uh, before. Um, but it's just you know they've done the job on a team 
that has name recognition that the Islanders do not have outside of like maybe Matt Barzell and I don't know who else, maybe Anders Lee. I don't know. Probably not, but it's, yeah. it's been remarkable. And to get to the right today, uh, Anthony Bovillier was killing a penalty because <laughs> he got caught out there. Oh, they, they were, they were playing four on four penalties ended. And all of a sudden Anthony Bovillier is killing penalties. And I'm like, Oh God, this is not going to go well. And he, and I think Cal Clutterbuck combined to just get the puck and move it out. And, Everything mm-hmm. went on about how it should have been, and I was like, "That's unbelievable." That I, that you know, that when he happen. was out there, when he was, it's so funny. Like you say that because when he was out there, me and my dad were like, "Oh no!" Like Bovillier right. cut out, but he he looked well drilled. He like yeah. he he was he was rotating the way he was supposed to. There was yeah, nothing no frantic. There was yeah, nothing no. frantic about it, and he won a, a puck battle. I don't think he ended up being the one to clear it, but like he won a puck battle that. He definitely combined with somebody else and, and yep. like supported somebody else. I thought it was Clutterbuck, but maybe I was wrong. But yeah, and it's like, you know, that's that's the trot's way. You're prepared. You are, you know, there's no panic and they just they're desperate and they know what they need to do and they're focused and they and they they're there to win a game. And he said, I mean, I have my Tau of Trots uh list that I have been working on has grown exponentially over the last week because of this playoff series. But basically, he was like, after game two, they were like, so what do you think about having this two-game lead? And he was like, I don't mean it. Oh, somebody, I think it was Chris King was like, what, you know, what do you think about the momentum going forward? And he was like, zero. There's no, there's no momentum. There's, you know, the next, there's another game one. That's all it is. That's all you can do is get into that game and win it. And again, for the probably 10th time this season, my mind was blown by something this coach said that no other coach the Islanders have had in the last 10 years, maybe more would have said like who who says that mm-hmm. <laughs> you know barry it's, trott says that it's amazing how just relaxed it's uh, i guess relaxed is the word or just like unpanicked this team looks like when i've i've almost been calmed down a little bit when the penguins have scored first because you, you just know all right like if the islanders just keep coming in the waves that they're coming they should get one or else you're just at the end of the night you're gonna say it's you know just one of those games and t- today was no different game two was no different when the Penguins scored. The team, it, it was like no deflation on the bench. I actually had a really good look. Like good, when Branson put them ahead one nothing in game two, the benches were kind of in front of my faces, and the Penguins bench, which bench was going nuts, like which is their want to do. Like they were, you could hear them celebrating. Obviously, the Coliseum was crowd quiet, and I looked over to the Islander bench, and it was just like a regular, you know, whistle. Like the mm. the next line came out, it was fine, and then you know three or four minutes later, whatever it was. Beauvillier is on a two-on-one with Barzell, and Barzell uh, Beauvillier makes a great pass to him, and Barzell gets clobbered. Beauvillier <laughs> cleans it up, and you see the so Taves, Beauvillier, and Eberle, you know, skate over to celebrate. And mm. there was just an, a moment at the same exact time. There's a great like little clip of it uh, that I, I don't know who who clipped it, but they all realize at the same time, like, oh, there are two guys missing from this hockey, yeah, yeah. From this hockey hug. <laughs> and they, and they just over skate there. over, like, yeah, yeah. Like, like superheroes in like, a, in, like, a comic book cartoon. Yeah. They all start running over to, to where Barzell was getting mugged. Barzell ends up with the pen- the only penalty of the thing, which yeah. is, again, like, a very curious thing. But uh, it was just, like, a very – the fact that they killed – once they killed the penalty off, I could really appreciate that moment much more. <laughs> and when they did – I was just like, that was something, man, just to see yeah. those guys just skate like that. No, I mean – I'm not saying other Islander teams wouldn't do it, but they wouldn't be in this in this it wouldn't be in this high stakes of game where the Islanders, uh, you know, where 
it, it truly is going to, you know, if they if they do end up winning the series, like that's going to be a great moment, one that I will think about for the rest of my life. Those yeah, three guys just like beelining over to Tavares. <laughs> Well, in in uh, you mean you mean Barzell? <laughs> Excuse me, Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. We're still we're still getting used to new habits here a little bit. But uh, uh, you know, today um, after the Penguins went up one nothing, um, was it Marcus Pedersen scored? The, the Islanders had just killed a penalty, and uh, the puck just got sent in and bounced off of somebody and behind Robin Leonard. The Islanders went right back to work. They they didn't wait a second, and like the very next shift was back in their zone was back in the Penguin zone. And then the very next shift after that, Everly scored. And then the very next shift after that, Nelson scored. And again, that was all they needed. Um, let's uh, let's talk about that, the the crowds and, and you know, more about uh, episode three. <laughs> episode three, see, there we go. Uh, we're going to talk about more about game three uh, and sort of where it goes from here right after these messages. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So game three uh, is obviously you know right at the front of mind. It, it happened earlier today. Uh, the Islanders went into the PPG Paints Arena after two raucous games at Nassau Coliseum, and Liam McHugh on the uh, NBC uh, NBC sorry Big NBC uh, pregame show asked Keith Jones, you know, what do you think the crowd is going to be like today? And Jones was like, I expect it to be crazy. I expect the Penguins to be happy. It's on their side after the. Uh, you know, unwelcome welcome they got at Nassau Coliseum. And aside from the moment when Pedersen scored and a couple of Let's Go Pens chants that quickly petered out, that was a very, very quiet crowd. And I don't want I don't want to get into this whole like pissing match kind of thing. It's you know, fan versus fan, whatever, but I'm sorry. Like that game was really quiet at the beginning. The Penguins scored, people got loud, the Islanders scored, it got quiet, they scored again, it got quiet still, and it stayed pretty quiet for most of the game and I just, I don't know. This is the difference with Nassau Coliseum. Like, the first two games, the crowd was chanting and crazy and singing, and it was a party throughout the entire game. And everybody, every crowd is loud. You put 18,000 people in the same room together, things are going to get pretty loud. But this is what makes the Coliseum experience special, is that it just goes on and on and on. And, yeah, okay, maybe the Islanders, you know, had they been losing five to one <laughs> or four to one as they have with the Penguins today, maybe the crowd wouldn't have been like that. But I have a feeling it probably would have still been louder than it was in Pittsburgh today. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just don't blame them. Like, it, what, what there yeah. was really the Islanders just played the perfect road period for sixty minutes. Like they, they didn't give the Penguins any space. They did. There was no moments of flair from any of their stars because the Islanders just don't let them, haven't let them do that. You know and. 
Uh, I know I like and you said like this is the, the pissing match is stupid. Um, but I, I, I mean, I just am thrilled to be on this side of it because <laughs> the Islanders like this, this, the crowds have just been insane. It's like just these Long Island reunion things. Like you keep saying, <laughs> like it's a Long Island reunion party or whatever. And uh, everybody is just on the same page. People are paying attention to the game 100%. And you're just like, especially for playoff games, when the ticket prices go up, like you're just not going to get that at other arenas because especially, you know, Pittsburgh's won two Stanley Cups in the last three seasons. Like this is where they're supposed to be. There's really nothing special about them being in a round one game. And uh, you kind of just saw that tonight. Like this, you know, it's just like a another regular season game basically to them. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Islanders fans – you know, and I, I always say that the only consensus among Islanders fans is that there's no consensus. But I really do feel like the the sort of prevailing feeling is just one of gratitude. They're just grateful. They're just happy to be here. And I don't mean that in the sense like, well, you know, if they lose, it's fine, whatever. I mean, like, they're just so thrilled to be in the playoffs with a good team, with a, a very detail-oriented, talented championship coaching staff. And they're just being taken seriously. Like, you know, maybe not in the playoff previews. We didn't really get to talk about them that much. But a lot of playoff previews were like, yeah, you know, the Islanders will be tough, but the Penguins will win. Uh, Dom at the uh, Athletic, his model, whatever it is, hates the Islanders. And he admits it. He's like, my model has been underrating the Islanders all all year long, and they're better than, you know, this is going to say. But I still expect the Penguins' road to the second round to be a fairly easy one. Okay, so great. But, I mean, at that point... Like, at what point is your model, when this team keeps, like, outpacing your model, at what point is your model just wrong? Like, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to sound like a dick. Like, at what point do you have to go examine what your model is telling you? Because this team right now is, you know, he gave the Islanders whatever, a 20, not even percent chance of sweeping the Penguins. And right now they're up three games to none. That doesn't mean a sweep is going to happen because, as we all know, the fourth game is the hardest to win. But it's... I think people are just happy that this team is like, like we said, there's no chaos. There's no panic. There's just, this is the, this is business and they're doing it. And we haven't had a coaching staff and a front office and a, and a roster, quite frankly, that has just been all about the business. Even today, Andrew Gross said, Islanders locker room, very subdued. Everybody just is like, yeah, we won. Okay. Let's get on to, you know, game four is something else. We're going to have to try even harder to win that one. Cause that's going to be the hardest to win. These are things we have not seen from the Islanders ever. And, <laughs> You know, maybe maybe you did if you saw them in 1983 or whatever, but a lot of us didn't, and so this is all new to us. It's crazy. It's it, you know to feel this way about an Islanders team is very very new, <laughs> very very unusual. Yeah, we we just don't. This fan base is it's impossible to take anything for granted because we've had so much taken away from us or threatened to be taken away. We almost had everything taken away from us, like mm. the entire thing, like. So we know we know like this these mo and we don't have we there aren't very many great moments in Islander history post 1983 <laughs> like there's a lot of you know right. very scary dark days and very few happy days and uh, so when they when these happy days show their their face like we just embrace them and I think that this team also is is I'm not gonna say homegrown because it's not you know there there are a, a good chunk of the Islanders are are homegrown players but. They are all so easy to root for. Like, I mean, and I mean, obviously, the the pole star of that situation is is Robin Leonard, who is we haven't even spoke about him yet <laughs> because he just it, he's been playing so well 
and we and he at the same time has been so it's been so like unchaotic in the same you know he's his play is reflecting the way the team is playing like you're like you almost forget like after every game you're like wow robin mm-hmm. leonard played really well again tonight and <laughs> I, you know i didn't even think about him and andrew gross wrote a really good story in, in newsday again you know kind of just another piece on on leonard and, and you know how far he's come and what this all means and uh to him you know especially and it's just dawned on me like it feels just as good i think for islander fans to to be on the other side of this relationship than i think it does for leonard uh you know to, to be embraced like we i love the guy like we all love him he's do you know how many people call him like their hero and and it's any he, and it's like a true there's like a true genuine like emotion behind it like he is absolutely a hero like he is never going to pay for a, a meal on long island uh in, in his life like this guy is uh just just the best and and he's and he's too has just been subdued after every game like there's nothing uh there's nothing chaotic about it or anything so you almost lose him you almost lose him in the plot because of how good he's been and yeah. I, I just seeing i just after every win since um you know basically like the first coliseum game that he came out and like kind of spoke with the crowd like i always zero in on him after and it's just like the guys are just so happy to give him those hugs afterwards and he is you know the same way and and i feel like i'm like right there with them uh (laughs) he's just he's just the best uh you know trots i think trots likes this team a lot too not that he hasn't liked teams he's coached before but he's his post game today after game three was really interdictive because they were like you know what do you think you know has been i forget what the question even was but he was like, they're all about the team. There's no, there's no egos here, and everybody wants to play best for the team. And I, the way he, when he says it, I, I don't want to say he's kind of digging at maybe some of his former players <laughs> on the Capitals in particular. I'm not saying that. Uh, he's probably not, but I think he means it. And I feel like he, he is as grateful for their. Uh, you know, lack of, uh, or I should say their um, you know, willingness to submit to his instruction as they are to be playing for him and to have the instruction and to have the organization and to do this thing. And then obviously it trickles down to us who are grateful to see our team playing this way that we have never seen them play before. And so I think it's this kind of like, you know, sort of cyclical pool of of, of uh, grateful of gratitude that everybody's just happy to be here and 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 happy to to do what's right for the organization that frankly hasn't had a whole lot go right for it in a long long time um one thing real quick about Leonard uh, in game two he made a glove save in the late in the third period and there was a tiny pause between when Brendan Burke called the shot and when he called the save and that pause, I forget who t- took the shot. That pause felt like it lasted it an hour Kessel. and a half. It was yeah. a Kessel. I was going to say, I think it was Kessel. And and he, yeah. Leonard was in such a good position on him. Yeah. But like a spectacular. This is like what the point I was trying to make in a better way is the spectacular save looked unspectacular. Yeah. And and that pause felt like it lasted a half an hour because <laughs> I just I was like, this is it. They're gonna they're gonna tie the game right now and or whatever. Get you know back to three two. And it was just the save. It was just a shot, pause, and the save. And I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe!" <laughs> you know, he's got it. He's got this. And so that was uh, that yeah. was like that. That save was celebrated like a goal in the <laughs> Coliseum too. Like everyone just jumped yeah. out of their seat. Like Crazy. people were hugging. I can't like 
Oh, God. I can't tell you how many people I've hugged the past (laughs) five days, whatever it's been. Like, there's just been thousands of hugs going around. And there's that one clip after game one of the crowd shot uh, after, right, you know, as Barzell was uh, streaking down. And Hmm. obviously that was up and down and up and down and up finally. And there's that guy jumping in, like, the lower corner right. of, of the yeah. Islanders, like little yeah, he's video. jumping before anything actually happens and yeah <laughs> it's a great great thing another you know just like the islanders are just doing such a good job uh yeah. and and that's just another kind of uh you know just indication that they are and uh if you watch that video obviously that guy is great to watch but just watch <laughs> the rest of the crowd too people are just it, it limbs are just everywhere and mm. people are in like falling into each other it was awesome uh but yeah yeah Hugs. um whoever did the uh Who's ever been doing the Sparky videos has been cracking me up too. I don't know why we've never seen those before. <laughs> Sparky, Sparky's at the at the bagel shop. Sparky's at the barber. I don't know. It's just funny. It's just cute. You know. I just I don't know. I like them. Uh, and it's, <laughs> it's a playfulness. Like it's a fun playfulness that you know we've again. And it's another side of the Islanders we've never really seen before. You know. And I, I would hate to read the replies on those things because as we all know, Twitter is a cesspool of hatred and horribleness. But if you don't do that and you just watch the video and it's like, you know, 30 seconds long, you're like, oh, that felt cool. Um, you know, as far as the uh, the broadcast go, Brendan Burke uh, has obviously been doing a great job for the Islanders, as he has always been doing. He's been calling the Caps uh, Hurricanes series as well. Uh, so if you weren't inclined to watch that series, you might want to because our, our man Brendan is on the scene. Uh, he did a great job on the Caps uh, overtime win over Hurricanes on Saturday. So on Sunday, the uh, he was actually off because <laughs> he's got a lot going on his plate. So it's a good thing that he got a day off. But uh, the Islanders were on NBC. The call was done by Kenny Albert and A.J. Malesko, who has obviously been covering the Islanders all year long for MSG, and one Regis Pierre Maguire, who, as we all know, is a member of the Penguins front office staff and literally spent a period and a half only talking about the Penguins. I called him Al Penzira on Twitter, and I stand by that. And he did compliment the Islanders more and more as the game went on. And yes, I am sensitive about it, but he was literally insufferable for the first period I couldn't take it. Like he he was only ever focusing on the Penguins and what they did. And it's like, dude, we get it. You work for the Penguins. You won a cup with the Penguins. You're golfing buddies with Mario Lemieux. We all understand it. We all get it. It's Christopher Latang. That's his first name. He has his, his birth, Chris does not on his birth certificate. It says Christopher. We got it. We don't need, you know, there's two people, there's two teams in this. And one of them was up 2 nothing in the series and ended up winning. And again, towards the end of the game, he was like, the Islanders have just sucked the life out of this team. The Penguins can't get any any speed, any pace at all. Um, but for the first period and a half, I, I was, I almost put it on mute because I couldn't take it. <laughs> Kenny Albert, AJ, obviously did a great job. Thank God for AJ because she was there talking about the Islanders because she knows them. And obviously Kenny Albert is, is really good. If you ask Brendan Burke, we think Brendan Burke is the best of the business. Brendan Burke says Kenny Albert is the best in the business, so he was obviously had his end covered. But Pierre, man, I just yeah. I can't deal with it. <laughs> I I even thought the way Kenny Albert was. I mean, this might just be tribalistic, but I thought the way he was calling the game, it was almost like him basically calling it as if like this is going to be the footnote. Like this, he was calling it almost assuming the Penguins were going to come back because he kept like mentioning the Islanders two nothing lead kind of in passing and right. talking about and it, it just you know maybe I'm looking at two Islanders colored glasses <laughs> or. Maybe it's because I'm still a little mad at Kenny Albert and Brian Boucher because I saw them after the game and I oh. started yelling at Brian Boucher. I mean, this is probably my fault, but I was yelling <laughs> at Brian Boucher. I was like, Islanders at three, Brian. And he goes, well, too bad you got to win four. 
And I was, <laughs> I was like, no, they're going to throw in the towel. Who's, nobody's going to want to come back in this building. Like, who, 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 who would ever play well in this building? I was like, you yeah. wouldn't. And he's like, oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, it's because you're not very good. And, <laughs> and then we left it at Jeez. that. Jeez. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just I, – I, I was – just wow. all jacked up, yeah. You're, but um, you're like I, Newman with, with <laughs> Roger McDowell. <laughs> I, <laughs> he must have caught a glimpse of us when he poured I, beer I on think, his head in the bullpen. <laughs> I think it was more of a, you know, like I was projecting my disdain for the way the hockey media has treated the Islanders on right. Brian Boucher, mm-hmm. and I hope he understands that. And I hope that's yeah. what he he went back because he was going into the Marriott. I was coming out. He was yeah. probably going to like a post game meal, and he said. We, we probably, he probably told people we should probably treat these guys a little with a little bit more respect because I just got <laughs> harassed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly what he what he said. Uh, but uh, yeah, aside from that, I just I don't know. Pierre a couple of times towards the end of the game, he was getting like he was telling us what the Penguins weren't doing, which is obviously his job. But he was doing it with like anger in his voice, like he was upset that the Penguins yeah. weren't generating enough on offense, and you know they weren't. He was upset that. Malkin and Crosby weren't on the same line together to get something going. He was like taking it personally, and it was just like I mean, it was great that saying, they won. He was trying but. to say it loud enough so Mike Sullivan would hear it <laughs> and be like, "Oh yeah, Pierre, good idea." Yeah, we're on the other side of the glass. I got ideas. I, Ask me. I got a. I, I thought the great, the greatest part of that was you know a lot of times hockey is by far the hardest game to to call play by play. I would yes, assume for sure. A, and uh, Pierre. Uh, messed up by calling Matt Murray, Matt Martin. Yeah. Do you remember that? And like yeah. most play by play guys just know like, Hey, that's just, you know, it's like typing a typo on something right. that's public facing. It happens. Like people are sure. Maybe people will get upset, but like, who cares? Um, Pierre, he, he had like a meltdown. <laughs> he's like, he's like, wait, I met Matt Murray. Oh my yeah. God. Like I can't, it could have been Matt Martin, obviously, yeah. because that's Matty Martin over there. Sarnia sting. Yeah. He played with Steven Stamkos for a while. <laughs> he, he was Stamkos's riding shotgun buddy. Uh, so it couldn't have been him. It was actually Murray. Who's from Nova Scotia. I was like, Jesus, mm. Pierre, like yeah. just real, just reel it in, just reel it in a little it, bit. It must've killed Pierre to wait till after the game to interview Brock Nelson, to ask him about war road, Minnesota. Which he was going on oh, and yeah. on about. Yeah, what he said. I, 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 how, what do you want to? What's the message for all the people back? I thought he was going to say on Long Island. The team yeah, no. That War Brock Road, Nelson Minnesota. Plays for. He goes, nope. War Road, Minnesota. Oh, and, that was and great. Brock was like, I just hope they're all watching. Like, what the hell yeah, is he going to say? Well, yeah, right. I, I, I thought he was going to say like, you know, I, why would the hell would they be watching me? Like, yeah. they're all wild fans or you, you know, UMD <laughs> fans. Like, why would they ever be watching an Islander game? They're probably yeah. watching Tiger Woods. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Thank you very much bringing this up. And then, and then I promise we'll, we'll change the subject. So after the game was over, I was like, you know what? I'm kind of curious as to what some other hockey media people are tweeting about this game and what they're saying. So I checked a couple of the usual suspects, Darren Dreger, uh, Pierre Lebrun, Elliot Friedman, a couple other guys. And uh, none of them mentioned the Islanders. They were all talking about Tiger Woods. Every, every single one of them had the same exact timeline. Nazem Kadri to have hearing uh, with NHL Department of Player Safety for his hit in Game 2 against the Bruins. And then, wow, Tiger Woods, unbelievable. He just won the Masters. Literally nothing about the hockey game that was just going on and the team that everybody pretty much kind of wrote off taking a 3 nothing lead in a playoff series against two recent two-time Stanley Cup champion. I was literally floored. And if I could have – I was going to tweet something. I didn't know how to really put it. And eventually I was like, you know what? I'm just going to log off and go about my day because I couldn't believe it. Again, Drager, LeBron. I mean, I expected a little bit more from from Elliot Friedman. John Shannon, as far as I know, was the only one who said anything. Uh, I don't know if any other Sportsnet guys were into it, but like, come on, seriously? 
Seriously? I mean, oh, yeah, great. all right, it's great, Tiger Woods, but like, dude, aren't you guys hockey people? I just, I don't know, I don't get it. It's gonna be fun when, when you know, if this, if this run, if the Islanders end up, uh, if they do end up winning the series and stuff, it's gonna be really fun to to hear all the people talk about how the Penguins just didn't show up and stuff. Yeah. Which, which honestly, like, I, Pierre, I thought he, you know, he's he's so annoying. I don't know if I've ever told this story on the podcast before, but when I was, you can stop me if I did. I was working for <laughs> Fischler. That when the Islanders were in Pittsburgh for that playoff series, um, I saw Pierre in like the bowels of then whatever it was called, not PPG's Paints Arena. I was uh, like, um, something with a C. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot. And, I know and, what you mean. <laughs> yeah, and I was in there, and and the Penguins console just, Energy Center, console Energy there you go. Center. Yep. <laughs> and and um, the Penguins were just kick, playing kick up with a soccer ball, you know, as hockey players do before a game, and uh, I was just kind of you know taking in the scene that obviously I'd never been a part of and thought it was pretty cool to watch Sidney Crosby like kick a soccer ball up and down and get him out and all I like kind of coming out of the corner of my eye I see someone on the other side of these players and it's just a guy smiling and just like nodding like that Jack Nicholson <laughs> gift and it's Pierre and they all the game ends they leave and he comes off walking over to me and just goes whew they're ready are you ready and I'm like yep I'm ready. And he goes, let's have fun out there tonight. And I was like, okay, Pierre, that was really, you know, the creepiest thing I've ever seen. That sounds very strange, but he seems like a strange strange. dude, you know? Yeah. He he almost, yeah. He seems like he's like, just, yeah, I don't even know, but, uh, like a very socially awkward person. Exactly. Uh, and I mean, he, he fucking loves hockey. So, you know, (laughs) that's about it. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I just, I don't know. I just thought it was, again, I get that Tiger Woods, story is amazing. I like when a guy who's your age does something in sports and like, what an unbelievable medical marvel this is. And it's like, I don't feel that old. I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of weird. <laughs> Tiger Woods and I are the same age. And, you know, today I uh, I uh, watched an Islanders game and then went out for Chinese food and ice cream. So I guess that <laughs> kind of doesn't get quite doesn't as doesn't get uh, any better than that. You should get a, I mean, you should so get a green jacket. That's what I'm saying. You should get a green yeah, jacket for that. Chinese food and I ice should. cream. Like if, if, Chinese- if you get through tomorrow without feeling sluggish or anything, we'll get you a green jacket. <laughs> well, I'm always sluggish, so I wouldn't I wouldn't know really. But uh, yeah, no, the Islanders game. I actually got to play some video games for a long once. That was good. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just I was like, really, guys, seriously, why do you have to live down to your reputations <laughs> this one time? <laughs> yeah, it's but, nice. uh, they'll, but we'll have they'll figure it out yeah. when the Islanders are you know like sweeping the 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 Golden Knights or something of the Stanley Cup. <laughs> All of a sudden, it'll be the best story in. in hockey history right yeah um but so let's let's talk real quickly i mean i don't think you know much like the islanders we we don't want to get ahead of ourselves and i don't think it would surprise anybody if the penguins were to win game four you know it would be a little disappointing obviously you got three one three nothing you want to see the sweep uh you know i i would say that i would expect them to come out guns blazing but i kind of expect them to come out guns blazing today and the islanders still won um I don't know. I, I don't know what to say. Like, I, yeah. Cal Clutterbuck had a thing, you know, said today he, he has no expectations. So you can't say you're surprised or anything. But uh, I don't know. I just don't know what to say. Yeah, I thought, I think, uh, I, I, you know, there's just no better fan base and team to not take a 3 nothing lead for granted. And, you know, we know that this team has Sidney <laughs> Crosby and Kenny Malkin right. and Christopher Latang and, like, they, this. The Islanders are nowhere near as talented as them, so you know, not doing what they've been doing for the past, you know, five days would be a, a big mistake in letting the letting the Penguins back in the series. So uh, that's not lost on any of us. Like nobody is nobody is counting their chickens here. And <laughs> I mean, the I loved I loved you just knew, 
the, at this point, like the the media, especially like the the greater sports media, they just kind of follow the same script. And you just knew all the what the questions would be. You know, is the fourth game the hardest to win? Yes, the fourth game mm. is the hardest to win. <laughs> you know, uh, can you tell us how you feel? Well, we're pleased to be here, but we know it's not over. The other side is, well, you know, it's it's the first team to win four games, not to win three games, whatever. But then someone asked Robin Leonard, like, is it? You know, are you surprised to be in this situation? He said, No, we want to. This team got 103 points in this regular season like we're, we're good like i don't understand why people keep asking us if we're surprised we're like that's exactly <laughs> right like we, yeah. yes we're surprised that this the series has unfolded this way but it's not like this is a completely out of the the, the realm of possibilities this team has proven time and again it's really hard to beat hmm. yeah i mean that's pretty much what it comes down to so i would expect them to I guess practice on Monday and maybe they have a day off, but I expect them to have their meetings and, and the coach to keep on top of things and for the Islanders to, you know, continue with play, keep playing the script and, and be predictable. You know, that's what Barry Trotz wants being predictable. Um, let's, uh, you know, I, I guess, I guess we, I don't want to get too far into it. I don't want to, we've all analyzed the last three games to death and we'll have to see <laughs> what happens in game four. But uh, you know, I, I think, I think it's, it's good that we feel, uh, my, you know, my friend, uh, my friend Gio would texted me after I think game two and we were going back and forth and he was like, do I, do I detect uh, a note of swagger? Uh, he used the word swagger in his, uh, in my, my text. And I was like, I just have confidence in the trots in the towel of trots. I just have confidence in it. And, you know, if the Islanders perhaps don't win game four, I expect them to follow the same script and do what the coach tells them to do and play the way the coach tells them to play. And if they don't win, hey, they don't win. What are you going to do? But I feel like you know I'm I'm confident enough that you know I, I can go into I, I'm going to be a nervous wreck obviously during the game but I feel like this this team has kind of found its its space and its niche and its its rhythm and its play style and this is this is what it is right yeah. now and they uh they we've talked about like how the betting market has has kind of underestimated them and there's a a professional like one of the biggest professional hockey bettors and most respected this guy named his nickname is Dink. Uh, <laughs> of course it is. Yeah, <laughs> he uh, he tweeted out like in the first period, like the Islanders are playing their A game. They didn't look good down the stretch, but they they probably looked the best of the bunch in the playoffs so far. Um, and you know, just seeing that, like people who uh, whose job it is to really pay attention to the details, like a professional better who you know any little edge he can get is is worth a lot of money to him. We'll, we'll we'll pay we'll we'll get it right and and seeing him say that I'm like you know what like I I, I kind of I it it same the same thing like I just wish more people noticed but whatever they are mm. they are paying attention to details they've looked unbelievable it was clinical yeah. today today I mean they've gotten better every game today was uh, could you make the argument that today was their most impressive game of the year I think you I mean could. it's it's in the conversation yeah. for sure I mean you know given the circumstances and the opponent and and the fact that you know how, how many teams have gone. Two nothing at home in the playoffs, and then gone on the road and and lost the next two or you know yeah I mean it's up there they they definitely you know had, they had the game well in hand for a good I mean they got into some penalty trouble in the second period I, I didn't think the fourth line had a really great game they spent most of it in in their own zone uh, but they had a couple of great shifts and there was one shift extended shift they had in the third period uh, the Sezikis Clutterbuck uh, Martin line that really kind of put the stamp on the whole thing. And that, that was finally, I was like, finally they're, they're doing their thing. I thought they had kind of trouble getting the cycle going, but you know, it is what it is. But other than that, I mean, they really, 
didn't write have much. There was not a whole lot to nitpick <laughs> about that game. It, it was pretty impressive. So yeah, I would I would definitely put that up there as amongst one of the uh, one of the better games they played all season. Uh, a couple of real quick things uh, before we uh, we sign off and and prepare for game four. Um, there was a draft lottery a week ago or so. Uh, the Islanders weren't involved. Yeah, that's pretty cool, right? Uh, but the Devils and Rangers came away with. Picks one and two, uh, that's not a typo. The uh, the Devils had the first overall pick a couple of years ago. They took Nico Hishier. This year, they got the first overall pick again. They're probably going to take Jack Hughes. Uh, that's fine. Good for them. Uh, you know, good players are good. Getting good players is good. Doesn't guarantee you much of anything. Yeah, Once upon a time, the Islanders had a first overall pick and didn't do a whole heck of a lot with them. <laughs> you know, surrounded, didn't surround them with a whole bunch of really good players So uh, or coaching staff, for that matter. So... We'll have to see what happens. Uh, the Rangers are going to get a good player, too. Probably going to get Capo Caco, who's got a great name. It's a shame he's going to play for the Rangers. But, again, you know, it's it's one good player. We we were told that the Devils and Flyers were going to be the class of the Metro when they took Heeshear and Nolan Patrick, one and two. Jury's still out, basically, is what I'm saying. So, you know, the Islanders have a pretty good prospect pool, too. So I'm not sweating it. Got trots. I'm not sweating Yeah, I, I, I just think it's hysterical that the NHL um, – snuck snuck that in there i I'm, I'm i i love conspiracy yeah. theories and i think i think <laughs> i think the way that they thought about it was all right well the de- we'll, we'll put the devils up top because you know mm. no one can accuse us of fixing this thing if if the devils get the first overall pick but let's slide the rangers and blackhawks behind them because yeah. you know <laughs> these rebuilds better hurry up because we can't have another season of not having the rangers <laughs> and blackhawks on every wednesday night rivalry game otherwise we're gonna yeah. we're gonna need to like re- rethink the playoff format and just have like t- you know, like it's, every original six team gets in. So the uh, the final uh, grouping leaked, by the way, like about a half hour before the lottery actually happened. So that was fun where somebody caught like they had this graphic where these kind of things were moving in front of a board and somebody realized, hey, the Devils, Rangers and Blackhawks are one, two and three on the board. And sure enough, that's how it worked out. So great job, NHL. Way to way to tip your hand. Uh, you know, in one of your most secretive situations. Good work. Um, so, yeah, I, I would like to see these lottery picks end up someplace other than the Metro, maybe one of these years. But, you know, again, I, I'm not saying these guys aren't going to be good. I'm sure they're going to be good. And, you know, maybe the, these teams will be good again very quickly. But, you know, this is this is this. The Islander season has taught us one thing, and that is it takes a lot to be pretty good. And, you know, it takes you got to make sure you have the right people in place. And for a long time, they did not. Let's let's just be honest. And so the Oilers, every single day, we talk about how the Oilers have had all these first overall picks, and they still are no closer to a Stanley Cup than they were when they had them. Uh, so it takes a lot to, to make a good team. So there you go. That's, that's my spiel on, on the lottery. Uh, currently, right now, um, as I'm looking at the NHL.com uh, scoreboard here, uh, Columbus is up 2 nothing on Tampa Bay with 15 minutes or so to go in the third. That is insanity <laughs> and if people aren't going to talk about the islanders and they want to talk about the blue jackets tomorrow well i can kind of, i kind of can't it's kind of nice actually i like that this is they're kind of happening concurrently because <laughs> that i you know it's just let the islanders we i'm sure and yes we've you can accuse us of of you know complaining a lot about the the way the media has treated the islanders especially the season but you know if they keep flying kind of flying under the radar and people aren't paying attention and the whole you know, defensive structure narrative isn't hammered into the ground, uh, you know, before before the next, you know, if if by some miracle the Islanders beat the Penguins in this first round series, uh, if it's, you know, they 
hopefully that just isn't like a flying narrative that everybody knows. Like I like the fact that they're still flying under the radar a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it is nice, especially, you know, because if it wasn't for the blue jackets, everybody would be, you know, kind of talking about them. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Uh, that's always the funny thing, not to go off on a whole thing, but it is funny how we complain that nobody talks about the Islanders. And then when they do, we complain that they, that they're wrong. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, beautiful. it's a little, it's, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, it's a problem only, only we can really, uh, identify with, but, uh, the jets are also up three, one looks like they're, they're trying to get back into their series. They, they're down to the St. Louis two, nothing. Uh, Sharks and Golden Knights are tied at three at one game apiece. Speaking about peak NHL, the yeah. Sharks and the Golden Knights. The Golden Knights now get to play with Nikita Gusev, who played the entire yeah. year. Like, like how, yeah, how right? can your league take itself seriously if during the most important part of the season you're allowed to say, yeah, well, you know, this guy hasn't played for in the, in this league this entire year, yeah. but let's bring him over. This is the Peter Forsberg. Yeah. Like, you know, when Forsberg did that, but here's the thing, like Peter Forsberg was Peter Forsberg. Like this dude is, yeah. So, well, in the Avalanche, you're going to get Kale McCarr. It's, it doesn't there. make any sense to me that the teams are allowed <laughs> to like do a, it. Did he win the Hobie Baker or whatever? Like he was, he's really good. Like, he just won a championship. It's like when the Islanders, uh, when they went on that run to make the playoffs in to, uh, with under Ted Nolan, when they signed Deron Quint and Todd Simpson, who yeah. were playing overseas, but they, they, they were allowed to play the last four games, but they weren't allowed to play. They weren't playoff eligible. And they wanted to play right. Todd Simpson and Deron Quint to be the insurance guy. And then Todd Simpson had a suspension in, in mm. whatever league he was in, like the German league or whatever. And the NHL mm. was like, all right, we're going to uphold that suspension. So even though the Islanders signed him, he wasn't even allowed to play. And then it was Deron Quint uh, who got to play in those games. And I was always like, this guy, like what a weird existence that he is playing these four games for the Islanders, trying to get them into the playoffs that he can't participate in. And they won, they <laughs> won all four games. <laughs> This this episode might be our career high in terms of bonkers, bizarre one-time Islanders <laughs> that we have discussed. Once you've crossed the Darren Quint line, that's it. That's you know you've already you've gone above and beyond uh, what you normally do. So that's pretty well. I totally forgot about that story, but I kind of va- I definitely remember Simpson and Quint playing for that team, especially Simpson because I was like, where the hell did this guy come from? He was one of the young guns. Remember the the, the Flames had a uh, like um. Uh, PR. Remember how like the the Mets had like Generation K, like that was their whole thing. The the Flames did something like that where they you know they called their guys the Young Guns, and it was like Kale Hulse and uh, Jerome McGinley, obviously, and Todd Simpson, I think, was the captain. And I was like, okay, you're the Young Guns, that's fine. And then you know that team, I know they missed the playoffs for like seven years in a row. But and that's so when I saw Todd Simpson, I'm like, wait, Young Guns, Todd Simpson is on the Islanders now. That's so yeah, weird. Never even got but to I'm gonna I'm gonna find this and I'm gonna put a link to it in there. In our thing, real quick. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's wrap this up because uh, we're we're getting too ahead of ourselves. We're not we're not being calm and focused uh, and prepared <laughs> as Barry Trotz wants us to be. So, um, sneakyathletic.com, get yourself uh, goat apparel. Get yourself Fort Never Lose apparel. Ten percent off if you put anxiety in the discount code box. Um, doesn't you know? There's a chance the Islanders might not come back to the Coliseum this year, but if they do. You're probably going to want some uh, some Fort Never Lose apparel. Uh, maybe they do some, you know, I don't know, viewing parties or something like that. It would be pretty cool. You never know where you're going to meet John Ledecky. So maybe you just wear that stuff out all the time because he just pops up in weird places all the time. So Fort Never Lose stuff at SneakyAthletic.com. And you could save 10% by putting in anxiety in the discount code box. Uh, no NHLnames.com NHL name of the week this week because I think we're all pretty well familiar with the Penguins at this point, uh, but you should definitely visit NHLnames.com. It's run by John and Travis, and they're friends of ours, so you should check it out. Um, 
Read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date news and discussion. I am not afraid to say that my friends, our friends there, have been killing it this entire playoff series. They just pump out great stuff every single day. So check it out because it is awesome. And it's a fun time to be an Islanders fan right now. We've said that a couple of times this year, but right now, I mean, it's yeah. this is what it is. We had people agreeing with us like, yeah, these are the, the best two yeah, days. This, this could be the best <laughs> the best times I've ever had as an Islander fan. It's crazy. Yeah, so – it's uh, you join us at lighthousehockey.com and and you know join the discussion, read the stuff, spread the word. It's good times. Uh, and while you're there, leave us a review, spread the word, tell everybody you can about us. It's great. Uh, definitely download Noel and Dan's show, Isles Buzz. Uh, they've had a bunch of great episodes lately. They had a, a cool uh, recap of Game One uh, from last week. Check that out too. Uh, tell everybody your Twitter handle. It's uh, the Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at the Big Lebowski. Uh, I can't imagine what you're gonna. Have, say during game four uh <laughs> win or lose or whatever uh but you should definitely follow mike there and uh thanks for hanging out with us this has been cool yeah it's been right a, a, i mean something else i don't know i don't really know what to say still <laughs> i really i know it still doesn't we've not talked way. about it for you know an hour plus and i still am kind of cover right. like when i keep tra- having i don't know if it's like the islanders are ahead three nothing against the penguins like <laughs> wow yeah. Wow. That's all that's all there is to, to say really at this point. And uh yeah, we'll see we'll see where uh game four takes us and, and the the future after that. Uh thank you very much for hanging out with us and we will be back with you again shortly at some point. I don't know when. But uh <laughs> thanks a lot and uh, we we'll don't talk even, to you yeah, then. We don't know anything. We don't know where we are right now. We have no, no idea. Nobody we're knows just, what to say, nobody knows what to do. Nope. Uh but we're gonna take it one game at a time, just like the the coach says. We're gonna take one game at a time. Yep. All right. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.